0: Okay, so uh, we'll go to Tesfama Bay's 15b, uh, right in the middle of the page, a little bit higher than the middle, Tashma. And um, the question is, the question we've been dealing with the last page and a half or so, is that uh, Beishamai, can you hear me? The, yes. I'm always afraid to talk too loud in hotel rooms in case the <laughs> other room okay. will... Uh, no, you're okay. good. Okay, so the question is, if Beishamai... Um, followed their own ruling, uh, or they accepted Beis Hillel's ruling. And uh, the way this works is that even though they disagreed, uh, you have to follow either because it's the majority, you have to go with majority rule. Good morning, Pete. Or um, uh, the Basque came down from uh, Hashem and said that uh, we Paskin like Beis Hillel, or, you're in the jurisdiction of Beis Hillel, you have to follow the other ruling, and the Torah works that way. Even if you don't understand something, if that's the, uh, the halachic process uh, follows that, then uh, you need to do that. So, the question is, did Beis Shammai accept the ruling of Beis Hillel by source, Habas? Meaning, if one of the persons died without children, and he left two wives, and one of the wives was a daughter which is an erva uh, is the co-wife uh what is the story with the co-wife does she need yimur khalitza or does she go free as is and so uh Beish Hillel said that she goes free uh, she can doesn't even need yimur khalitza she can marry anyone she wants and beishame and Beish said no the sarisabbas uh needs khalitza now uh that was the question, so so they asked the great sage Rabbi Yeshua, what do you hold, that's a famous Maklocus, and who do we hold like he said to them, why would I want to put my head in between these two big mountains, between. Two big arguments. Miss Yareni, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'll get my head smashed in. Question here is: Does he really mean he's going to get his head smashed in, or is that an expression? <laughs> um, sometimes, if uh, you call somebody a mamzer, you could damage uh, their life and the life of their children forever, all future generations, because. Uh, nobody will want to marry them, uh, they'll be condemned, um, and it could be that it's physically dangerous. They're going to smash in somebody who calls them a mumser. So maybe he really did mean, I'm afraid to get my head smashed, or maybe it's an expression of uh, I'll uh, my opinions won't be accepted. Uh, either way, uh, but that's what he said. But he said, I will tell you the following. Shten Two famous families in Yushulaim. One family was Mishbacha Baisvoy, Mi Bane Akmoy, Mishbachus Kupo, Mi Bane Mekosh These were children of co-wives that uh didn't get Yibum and remarried. Umehen Kohanim gedolim, and their descendants were Kohanim, and they became Kohen Guttals, Hashim Shogamizbeak. And uh, they actually were given the... uh, uh, They went into the Holy of Holies and they represented the Jewish people. i amris bishle asu. Now, now the more is going to get to the proof. Uh, So that's what he said. That was what he said. He said he didn't want to tell you if we hold like Beisham or Beishilo, but he did want to tell you that he knew of of famous families where their children became Kohanim Gedolim. Now, i amris bishle asu. If when the, Beis Shammai uh, followed their own opinion, and Beis Hillel followed their own opinion, that's why he was afraid. Because according to uh, Beis Hillel, if the, you, uh, if the Yavim were to marry the co-wife, uh, that would be a marriage of sin, and their children would be mamzerim. So that's why he was afraid to call those families mamzerim, uh, that followed Beis Shammai. Eli Yamarislo also, but if Be Shamai never followed their ruling, what's he afraid of? come Yarani. Now that's question number one, and question number two: Nihinami Namid also, even if they uh, did follow the ruling, um, uh, what what is he afraid of? Usually, you'd be afraid of calling somebody a Mamzer. Again, uh, you're going to get your head smacked if you call somebody a Mamzer, especially if he really is a Mamzer. <laughs> Right? So then he's going to do it. So HaOmer of Yeshua, ain't mamzer He says that a, a child would only be a mamzer if the parents had a marriage that was forbidden by a uh, pain of death. Mam- so the Gomorrah answered, mamzer lo-havi There is a new concept that even though, there is a new concept that even though a child may not be a mamzer, uh, if the parent's married in the sin, it affects the child, and it calls him a pagum. Uh And the question is going to be, what exactly is a pagum? Um Rashi says, uh, The child uh, can't be a ko he'll lose his kohen status. That's what he says. He's not a mamzer, but if they're kohanim, he'll lose his kohen status. Or sometimes you learn their daughter won't be eligible to marry a Kohen. So that those were the questions, and so it could be that would also be very unpopular to un-Kohen a person. So what's the Kavokomar? The Kavakomer is from Almana. Koingado has to marry a virgin. What happens if he marries a widow? My Almana Shenisuenoig Bako. Most Kohanim are allowed to marry widows but they're not uh, they're, they're, they can't marry a divorcee, but they're allowed to marry a widow a kohen Gadol can't marry a widow he has to marry a virgin so if almana does the Isra of almana doesn't apply to everybody Isir noy doesn't apply to all kohanim and still the child loses its kohen status if a kohen Gadol marries a widow zush a uh woman who's... uh would be uh, like if somebody marries um, if somebody uh, married um, their um, their brother's wife because they thought there was a mitzvah of yibum which would be equal to everybody. So certainly uh, there the child would lose its Cohen status. So that was the question uh, that uh, he didn't want to rule on. So, kibboi minay the is a little confused here, because first we're asking about the status of the wife, the kibboi minay the co-wife, the kaposhet leibnei and then the answer seems to be about the children of that marriage. So, how did we switch? So, the more answered tarti kibboi We're asking two questions. First of all, what's the story if they marry that wife? Tzoros, mine. In tips of Lomar, and if we hold like that the Tsarist, the co-wife, can marry. And then the, the, they can marry without Yidmar Chalitza, so B'nai Tsarist to Beis hillel. and then if they have kids, according to Beis Shammai, what's the story there? Now here the problem is that if they marry without Yidmar Chalitza, that's called a chayve Lavin, meaning that um, somebody that's a widow uh, where a husband dies without children and can't just marry anyone. They need to get chalitza first. And if they don't, they're over a So the question was, what's the status of that child that's born through that marriage that didn't get chalitza? What's the difference? Where else do we have this case? So there are other cases where a person can have a marriage where they did something wrong. One case would be if somebody remarried their divorced wife. Now you're allowed to remarry a person's allowed to remarry their divorced wife, but not if she married in between. So Miyamrin, mm-hmm. like Basilo, Miyamrin gadol. Would you say that just like the Gadol, if he marries a widow? Shainusur shoved Bakal that not everybody's forbidden to marry a widow, only a Kohen Gadol. And still bano Pogum, the child loses its holy status. This, which everybody has the rule of yibum that if uh, if they fall to yibum, they can't marry anyone, they're supposed to get Yibma Khalitsa, Enuddin pugam. We would also taint a child. Odilma, Ikelem You could say there's a big difference here. my she atzmeschalalos. The widow, if she marries a Kohen Gadol, it's very interesting that even though she's got a very holy husband, and even though until now she was a very kosher person, but since their marriage is in sin, because a Kohen Gadol is not supposed to marry a widow, she loses her ability to stay married to any Kohen. Uh, she's Michalelis. She becomes a Cholo. Um, Rashi says, What would the difference be? Look at it. Rashi, he She herself loses her status. She Kohen psula zu He says that she, if her husband dies, and she wouldn't even be able to marry a regular Kohen now because she did something wrong. She lived with the Kohen gadol, uh, not according to Allah. So, what was his answer to that question? So he said, Sorus, uh, Vamana Sorus He says, I, I'm afraid to testify about the co wife. That's dangerous. But as we turn to today's page, Mene Sorus Anime Idlacham. But he did answer about the uh, the children, like Beis Hillel, that they weren't pugam that they actually worked in the Beis Hamigdosh, they were Kohanim Gedolin. So um, that was the end of that particular piece that we were trying to prove whether they followed, Beis Shammai followed their opinion or not. And uh, basically we said uh, it's not necessarily a proof. So we are going to keep on with our questioning whether Beis Shammai followed their opinion or not, Tashma, and now we're finally at the top of today's page. Tashma raped them, Dosa In the days of Dosa ben Horkinus, they pasquined that you're allowed to uh, the co-wife was allowed to have Yibum with the brothers, not like Beis Hillel. Now Shmamina, so it sounds like very clearly that Beis Shammai seriously followed that opinion. Shmamina so that seems to be that Beis Shammai actually did that. Uh, Again, sometimes you can have an intellectual argument with somebody, but it doesn't mean you're advocating for that. Um, Sometimes Dafyomi is very scary, like somebody will have a piece about, you're talking about servants, you're talking about marrying somebody who's uh, below bas mitzvah, you're talking about having multiple wives, and somebody takes that quote out and uh, you could get arrested, right? You know, you're saying something, uh, but the question is, are you talking about something practical? So we see from here that Be'i Shammai was serious about that. They actually permitted the co-wife to be taken. Okay. Gufa, now we hear more of that story. It's, um, the the There was a generation where they pasken like Be'i Shammai. What was the story? Gufa vimei rabbi dosim and horkinus. In the days of the great rabbi dosim and horkinus, Hitzirah surah they permitted the co-wife to be have yibam. V'hayadavrakash telechachamim. And the sages were very upset about that. So uh, we see that this machlokas was an uh, was a earthquake. That it was a big, uh, um, uh, for several generations, it went back and forth, what to do here. There have been other cases in, um, in uh, where uh, there were big differences in halacha, where um, the communities were very divided for a long time. Uh, they had cases in Europe where shoals split up, families split up uh, because of halakhic differences. Uh, but uh, at any rate, so this one was difficult to the sage, Now, the problem was that the sage that permitted it was a great sage. And it sounded like he was on the wrong side of the issue. of Now, if he came to Beis Medrash, they could talk to him. But since his eyesight was bad, he became blind. He couldn't come to the study hall anymore. So, who's going to go uh, and uh, talk to him to get him to change his mind? Now, you can't get sages to change their mind easily. If you believe that it's the word of Hashem, it's going to be a tough job. There's nothing that you could do to get a um, uh, you have a great Tamukachem who feels they're right. It's not going to be an easy job to get them to change their opinion. So they needed to get a, an all-star team here to go and try to convince him. And we've had before, when you say something disrespectful to a great sage, it's very dangerous, because they're very close to Hashem. So they said, who's going to go? I'm going Yeshua. said, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm he was the Yav Beizdin. He was going to go. who's going to bat second? Rebbe Azar ben That's really V'achrav mi, Revi Kiva. So they got the all-star team together. Reb Yeshua, Kiva. So they went to the entranceway to his house. Nikdetsu shivchaso, the maidservant, answered the door. I don't know why the, uh, all the detail here. Again, anytime you have a goddess of Gemara with detail, something's going on. So, Amr Rebbi Chach Israel boy So she announced to uh, the head of the household, the blind Rebbe Dosa, they, she said the sages have come in. Amale Yiknesu, let him come in. And Yiknesu, they came in. Tafsu Reb Yeshua veShiva almita sholzav. He told Reb Yeshua, he gave him a gold chair. He said, you know, he knew he was a sage. He can sit down. Amale Rebbe, Amaleu Tamida haAkhar Yoshev. So he said to him, Rebbe, I have some other. There's another sage here. I'll offer him a seat. I think that's a protocol is to offer them a seat. So Amaleu Mihu, who is that? Reb Lazar ben he said, now he was an older rabbi, this rabbi. He said, ben He said, wow, my buddy Azariah had a kid? And he said the following see, I was young and I got old. That's the way life is. And you, we're all young one day. And I never saw that a person who was a real tzaddik and invested so much uh, to serve Hashem, and their children should be starving. So, meaning that uh, he was glad that his good friend, the scholar uh, Ben Azariah, that his son also was a Tamil So, Tafsu was Shiva, so he got a gold chair too. He said, There's one more great sage with us, offer him a chair. Who is that? Akiva ben Yosef. That's Akiva ben Yosef. Akiva ben Yosef. He said, oh, you're the famous Rebbe Kiva, your name goes from one end of the world to the, the other. It's interesting how Rebbe Kiva had the reputation. So, kamoska he gives them a bracha, there should be more like you. So they began the discussion. They began speaking and learning. They were asking him many halachas. Now, uh, this was a setup meaning that they really wanted to um, uh, discuss with him his ruling about the co-wife, but they didn't want to attack him and make it seem like that was the reason they were coming. So therefore, they started the discussion off on other areas. Oh, I got a partial question, I got this. Until they also hit the mahu. What's the story with the co-wife? Uh, of uh, a daughter. If there are two wives and one is a daughter and they fall to Yibam, he said, of course, that's a Makhlokas Beisham and Beishilam. Halacha, who do we hold like? Omer Halacha Beishilam. He said, Halacha like Beishilam, that there's no Yibam there. Omer they said to him, wait a second, we heard in your name that you Paskin like Beishamai. Omelahem, so, he said, Did you hear my name, Dosa Shemata? My name is Dosa. Or did you just hear Ben Horkinus, Horkinus' son, Shemata? Omelahem, they said, Chai Rabbi Stam Shemata. We heard just, we didn't hear specifically. Omelahem, he said, Be assured, I never passed in like Beishamai. But I, my younger brother, who's also the son of Horkinus. See, this was the problem. They called him Ben Horkinus, but he had more than one son. He said, Ah, I got a younger brother, the Ashli Bakorsho Sutton. his younger brother he called him a devil. I don't know if we can relate to that or not. Uh, usually you don't call a, a scholar a devil. That's a strong word. Bakhor Sutton Rashi. he's sharp as attack. The omed alashmua and he doesn't change his mind. And he could care less what other people, uh, the majority thinks. If he feels he's right, he's going to insist on it. And his name is Yonason. He's a student. And he said, I'm warning you, uh, you should, uh, if you speak with him, he's very brilliant, and he's going to override you. He has 300 proofs 300. It's incredible. Uh, We're on the first wide line, Shahimu Terrace, that it's actually uh, permitted for Yibim. So he says that, you know, his brother's a sharp cookie, and he's going to convince you that he's right. So maybe he is right. So this is where he he testifies that he has a Masora. He has a tradition uh, from his Rebbe that we hold like Beis Hillel here. Now, it's more than a tradition from a Rebbe. He has a tradition from a prophet. A prophet's like hearing it from God. So he says, And he testifies by the heavens and the earth. And he was very clear. He remembered just like yesterday when he heard it. He said uh, at this uh, place where they pound things. That's a an expression also. It was a certain area in town where they had the grinder. The prophet said, he said, you're not allowed to do Yibim for the Tzor Sabas. Uh, that's very interesting that uh, uh, the, he had a clear Masora that that's the Halacha. Now, there are two other Halachas he told them. Number two, Ammon and Moab, Masrin. There was the territory in Eretz Israel that was conquered from Amon and Moab. So he said to him you, that it's not part of the Eretz Israel that was intrinsically holy for the sabbatical year. It was part of the neighboring land. We'll see more about it in a moment. And therefore, the poor people can eat Maestrati in the sabbatical year. That's halacha number two. Halacha number three, Me'kavlengirin a kardumim. There's uh, certain cities in Eretz Yisrael, uh, you can accept converts from those cities, in tarmudim. So uh, what we'll see is, there were different sects in Eretz Israel. And some of the, uh, the different sects, some of them practiced different forms of Judaism. And the ones that were not very learned didn't give divorces. They didn't have a base in, and they didn't know how to write a divorce. And there were mamzerim there. And if you, you're not supposed to marry people from cities where there's lots of mamzerim. So he said you could accept converts from there, and they won't be tainted by the mamzeris. Even in our times, there were questions about Jews from India and some countries where they had Jews, but they didn't have a base din. So if people got divorced, there'd be uh, there was no divorces to be given. The good news was it didn't happen to too many people. Uh, I had uh, I knew somebody who was from uh, his parents were from India, uh, from not anywhere in India, but from a certain uh, one of those ten tribe cities or places that was far off from any Jewish community. And those were real questions to deal with whether you could marry them. Uh, he had to get special permission at his wedding to marry, uh, so the rabbi would marry him to show that he wasn't a mamzer. Uh, but at any rate, so let's go back to the story. So when those three rabbis came in, they all came in the same door. But when they left, they left through three doors. So the question is, why did they do that? So let's see Rashi. Were they trying to sneak away or were they trying to find that other brother, the, the firstborn, the younger brother who's a Sutton? Rashi, uh, Tosos. So like always, there's two opposite versions. The first version is, halacha mm-hmm. They didn't want to all run into him because he would uh, insist that uh they listened to his proofs and he would insist that they accept his halacha and if he got them all together they might have to paskin like be Shammai Now uh they had uh, clear that the halacha was not like that but on the other hand they didn't want to be convinced so they left on three different doors. So that they were sneaking away according to that version. According to the second version in Tosus, Inami Yotsubsaku Deshimsu, Yishmi um, the other version was they all left to try to find the guy and bring him over to their side. So there's three versions about this story. Like always, there's could be two different stories. So uh, let's see what happened. So they left in three doors. Pogobo Revi Kiva. Revi Kiva was the lucky one that ran into the younger brother, who's the Sutton. So actually, uh, he asked him questions. And guess what? Uh, the, the other guy, the, uh, Sutton, the, uh, bested Revi Kiva. Now, <laughs> that's pretty tough. Revi Kiva is the greatest of all. Moshe Ravenu was shown a future vision of, uh, all of Klaus Yisrael. And when he show, was shown Revi Kiva, he said, you have somebody like Revi Kiva and you gave the Torah through me? I don't know. Maybe this was when he was younger, but Revi Kiva lost the argument here. So, Amrele, uh, so, uh, this, uh, firstborn, uh, his brother, who the younger brother who was the Sutton uh, said to him, he said, actually, I don't know if he's a younger brother, he called them a Bechor, the the firstborn, but okay. He said, Atahu Akiva, he said, You're the famous Shishmoholokmasopha Olam sofa that your name goes from one end of the world to the other. Ashrecha, you're so lucky that you got a famous reputation, Vedai Logia, the Roy But as far as I'm concerned, you you're not even a um, uh you're not even a shepherd. That's a pretty strong insult. Uh although maybe that was the nickname for some of the scholars. So you would have thought Revikiva would take, get upset. Actually Revikiva answered humbly. He said, Not not even a cow shepherd, I'm not even a sheep shepherd. Oh filo I can't even so by the way, that's the great way to, to diffuse tension. Somebody insults you, uh, you insult yourself a little bit, and uh, you're guaranteed that uh, they won't get angry. So, but that's, uh, uh, that's what Revi Kiva said to him. That perhaps he was humbled because he lost that argument. All right, that's the end of that particular story, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to it in a second. What are the other two halachas? So number two, Amunum Moa Meisun Meisurani Bishri. Yeah. It's interesting that the the Avos and Moshe mm-hmm. Rabbeinu were all royechol. Uh huh. I was wondering that. Yes, I, I I was wondering if that was the deeper meaning. Right. Um, uh, right. when Moshe Rabbeinu was ready to die, he says, he says that, you know the nation, who's going to lead the nation? They're going to be like, like sheep that uh, that go in the wrong direction. I was wondering who are the Roe Bucker, though? <laughs> Who's that? That okay. Uh, then I don't know. So, Stein, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the story of Rabbi Akiva with Kabbalah Savua, before he turned age 40 and started learning, I think he also was a Roe 8 son. He was out there and had some the whole medrash about the water hitting the rock, and he was gazing at it and seeing how the water made a hole in the rock. Right. And so, I, he. I believe that he was a Roe 8 son at uh That's his interesting. age. So he's saying here that he didn't even reach Roi's zone. <laughs> uh, so that, but yeah, that is maybe, interesting. Maybe he's saying he wasn't a very good one. Right, right. I hear. Yeah, that is very interesting about this discussion. Okay. So, um, uh, what was the second halacha about Amunu Moav that uh, they gave? My son to uh, Omar Mar Kavshu When they originally came from up from Egypt. There were other, some of the neighbors started up with us, and we got conquered territories that were not part of it. Her- By the way, that's happening now. There are parts of Eretz Israel that we have now that we conquered in 67 that were not the intrinsic part of Eretz Israel. So the same thing happened originally, and they didn't sanctify all of them with the permanent holiness, and they were not reconquered when Ezra went up from Babylon. The Kedush HaRishonah, now the original sanctity was for that time, and not for all future generations. Now, why wouldn't they have made all of Eretz Israel holy? You're allowed to extend Eretz Israel. The they left certain parts of Eretz Israel not so holy, Kedesh Yisrael that this year, which is a sabbatical year, there'll be lands where they can get food uh, that people farm. So that was the second halakha. Uh, now, by the way, usually during Shvi'is, there's no crop to tithe. But since these other areas of Eretz Israel, they had crops, uh, and they also, not every year does it go to the poor, but they made this seventh year a year for Miserani. Okay. <speaking in Hebrew> uh, you could accept converts from the city of Kardum. <speaking in Hebrew> is, is that true? <speaking in Hebrew> you can't have converts from there. So on <speaking in Hebrew> there's Kartumim. <speaking in Hebrew> And Kardumim. They all sound the same. You go to the United Nations, uh, you know, all the Russian ones are, are Stan, you know, Pakistan and this Stan and that Stan and all the African ones, uh, but some of the nations have similar names. Itmar. Uh, My love. Aren't the Kartumim the same as the Krasayim? There's Kardum and Kartum. There's a D and a T. They're two different nations. Omar of Ashi, Lo, Kartumi, Lukud, Rikardumi, Lukud. Each one is not, uh, they, each one is a different nation. Kedami, Inchi, Kartumi, Paso. Rav Yochanan, Bissabad, Omar, Chavay, Inmikavagin, Tarmudim. Tarmud is the one. Is there a problem with the city of Tarmud? Now we've got off to a different, the first was a question about Kardum uh, and Kartum. And now we get into a, a, a nation called Kartum, uh, Tarmud. So we learnt to following Kolluk Sam Rakim is a city of non jews and uh, believe it or not, if you get used clothing and uh women's clothing and it has menstrual stains on it non jewish menstrual stains are not impure, so you can assume that that city is not Jewish, and therefore the stains are tahar He says, no, that there are converts, there are Jews in there, but toyim There were a lot of assimilated Jews who were there. Um, There are many countries that have Jews mixed into them, where um, uh, you have, uh, uh, the Ukraine, by the way, has a lot of Jews mixed in, because during the Holocaust, a lot of uh, children were given to the monasteries and uh, um, the... uh, um, And uh, people uh, who were of Jewish descent are there, but they don't know they're Jews or they're half-Jews. That's very common. And so if they are really in those areas, that certain areas are very prominently likely Jewish. uh, There's places in Spain like that. uh, There are places in South America where there's just a high percentage of Jews mixed in. And unfortunately, in America, there'll be places like that too. People that are of Jewish descent uh, who don't know it or who know there's some uh but they may they may act like non jews but the halakhically, they are jews so there so he says so he says um that the uh since there are jews um he says that you don 't have to worry about the kasami um uh and he says that they are converts who made a mistake between the non-Jews. The more has a question as we turn the page. First, you said, from non-Jews, even from Tarmut. The Yomar of Yochanan, and Rav Yochanan said, you see from here, uh, that now, if they are Jews that are um, mixed with non-Jews, potentially there could be Mamzerim there. That means that they... Um, uh, that means that they don't have a base den. Uh, and the non Jews, it uh, was like Alabama. They were into incest in those days. So if they followed the non Jewish customs, there would be a lot of mamzerim there. So if there were Jews there, you couldn't have converts because there'd be a lot of mamzerim. So Rabbi Yochanan says you could accept from Tarmid. And now maybe he didn't agree that there were converts there on Yochanan, Mishnah. So the Morse says, Amaroin and Oliva to Yochanan. We're having an argument about the people that settled in those cities, whether they were Jews that went bad and there's a Mamzer problem, or there was not a Mamzer problem and they were mostly non-Jews. My time, um, what's the argument? Why didn't Rabbi Yochanan uh, Basaba? What's the reason, um, what is the argument about here, about the people of that city? So why? So pligi bei Yochanan and an elder. They argued. One of them says again, what was the taint on this particular place? So one says mishum avdei Shlomo, Shlomo's servants, mishum and the other one says it was because the daughters of Jerusalem. So bishlem gan mishum avdei Shlomo, what was the issue with avdei Shlomo? So in the times of Shlomo Malachi, you had a lot of non-Jews coming to the land of Israel. Some of them were foreign workers to do construction, and uh some of them were just in general, they had foreigners, so some of them took Jewish wives, <laughs> a non jew, a pagan, and a servant Mamzer so there were a lot of children, you know, just like when the American soldiers were in Vietnam. There's a lot of white Vietnamese that were children of those soldiers, so too, when these workers came to Israel, there were um a lot of children born from them, and this would say the status was a mamzer, so don't marry people from those particular villages., but if they were daughters of Yushalayim, what could be the problem of marrying from the from those places? So one said tracer Al gavrit. there were twelve thousand soldiers, veshita al and another six thousand archers. And the other one says, Trace Al there were twelve thousand soldiers, and from the twelve thousand, six thousand of them were archers. and Now, when the nun the Eretz was uh, uh, the non Jews conquered the Besamigdush, Hakol Nifnu Al There was hundreds of thousands of soldiers, and most of them were worried about wanted to get booty. They all wanted gold and silver. The Haim Nifnu, but these twelve thousand they went to the Benos Yushalaim, the beautiful daughters of Ushashi as the Puik says ino Yehuda it says that they raped the women uh, in the uh, in in Zion and in Yehuda so they they raped the women and the children that were born, according to this view, were Mamzerim. so the people that lived in that village where they um, this um uh the um you have it with isis where they took the um uh the people from that uh what was the name of that group and they had children they they raped these uh, young women and they had children with them and today they don't know what to do with them now that they've conquered isis uh from the um i forgot the name of that funny group that was in uh Iraq, that uh, they took a lot of the women to be sex slaves. uh, But uh, that's nothing new in the Middle East. Yazidis. Thank you. Yazidis. That's right. So unfortunately, uh, at that time, the the Benos Yushalayim were the Yazidis, and there were a number of children born. And um, uh, today, we wouldn't hold the the halakha is that these children wouldn't be Mamzerim, but that view was that they were Mamzerim, and so they were saying not to intermarry from them. Um, we uh, now uh, we finished that subject but we quoted an interesting verse uh, that's part of the benching and uh, the question was wh- who was the author of that verse what did it really mean that I was young and I got old now most of Tehillim was but also he took things from other people so, who was the one who authored that piece who said, I was young and I got old? If maybe that's a prophecy and God was talking. God doesn't get old. Hashem doesn't age. So it can't be him. Hashem isn't going to say, oh, I was young and now I'm old. That's not Hashem. Ella, maybe David bro. That's the next thing. Maybe David Amalek was the one who said, David Amalek didn't get that old. He died at uh, 70. So he was never old. Seventy isn't old. That's the good news, right? So So he says, you know what? This must be Sara Olam. Rashi says Sara Olam is a Malach. This must be like a, some Tehillim we have that was like said by an angel. That was a uh, like a prophecy from an angel. That uh, this idea that I was young and I was old, that means the angels, they live long. And uh, they're telling us the history. And they say that uh, Hashem doesn't abandon a righteous person. His kids will be taken care of. Okay. The Omar of Shmobar Nachmenu Omar of Yonatan might exceive. There's another pasuk by the destruction. So we learned that not only did they loot the base of Migdosh, but they also ravished the women. But there's another pasuk that says, Yag parash sarah kol Machmedah, That the hand of the enemy was on our precious things. What does that refer to? That's amanu mo'veshashinikso v'chav mehechob. Most of the pagans they went to the Hechel to get all the all the vessels were golden, so called nifna And similarly, He Nifna Torah, they were looking for the Torah scrolls. The Torah scrolls were all kept in the base of Middush, and they knew in our Torah that uh, uh, that it says, Amoni They knew in our scrolls it said that we don't accept converts from Amenu Moaf. They couldn't tolerate that, and so Yisruf Ba'esh. They went and they burned all those scrolls. Siva Hashem Le Yaakov, Savim Sarav. Okay. So, um, but, well, anyways, that's uh, that was our neighbor's Amenu Moab. They went out of their way to dis- destroy any remaining Torah scrolls. It's interesting that they wanted to destroy that, because that passage is saying you can't become Jewish. Correct. They had no interest, or desire to become Jewish, so why would that offend them to say that they can't become part of the Jewish people? They don't want, they have, they want to... They want to kill us. Right, but the other people could. And so the Torah was picking, Hashem was saying they're worse than all the other nations in that way, right? So they, you're right. So they were insulted, but it's funny that they wanted to get our scrolls. They gave up the gold and silver to erase that uh insult, yeah. So um uh, we had neighbors in, in the Middle East who usually your neighbors are your allies. And somehow Eretz Israel has the mazel that we have neighbors like Amonemov who want to destroy our Torah scrolls and those other neighbors so uh, why is that so the quote's a pusik hashem leyakov soraf hashem says that uh, you're going to be surrounded by nasty neighbors and uh it's very interesting today we couldn't pick a worse you know there are people who live in Africa and have very nice neighbors. You know Africa's not a good example, but uh you know the Canadians aren't so bad or the but Eretz Israel has always had a neighbor problem that's the uh, you know, um could be Hashem didn't want us to intermarry that that's the reason. What's an example of that? Omar of Kigon gone Le to Pumnara, Humna uh, was next to Pumnara, and Pumnara were uh were really nasty people. Rashi Bahumna i 'm sorry Humna was the nasty people. Rashi says the Greeks were over there, um, they they were they caused us a lot of trouble. one of the worst if you have a neighbor that's out to make trouble there's nothing worse than that they they uh, having it right next you know they they report people and they cause all kinds of issues, and so that was part of that uh, Kalam oh uh, him shit uh-huh it 's interesting the notes that he brings down the or on there this is that there's a mistake in Rashi's text, and then she says the Greeks, but it's really referring to Ammon and Moab. Rashi is strange that he says Greeks. The Greeks were much later in time. Uh, these cities were cities in, in Eretz Israel cities, and we've been talking about the early times, and so that's why it would be, it would make more sense to have been um, another nation. Um, one thing that's always true in our text, that because the Gentiles... Um, played around with the names. They didn't like us saying the word Gentile. Often there were textual mistakes because they would go through the Jewish text and anytime there was a reference to non-Jews, they made us write pagans or the Greeks or somebody besides them. So I wonder if, uh, it's interesting because it's in Rashi that he says there's a mistake. Yeah, thank you. Um, but that is unusual that we're picking on the Greeks over here. But the, the Greeks were anti Semites, but it's just interesting that Rashi throws that in. They have to look in the history to see if that's uh uh if that's a mistake or not. Uh four lines from the bottom, Over oh, Kham What happens if a non Jew proposes to a Jewish person? Now this uh they have this uh there are uh, Russians that came to Eretz Israel uh, well, that some of them were of Jewish descent, some not, um, because the uh, Eretz Israel, the standard of living was higher, and there was uh, money given to immigrants, and a high percentage of them were not Jewish. Some of them married Jewish women in Eretz Israel, and then when the marriage went sour, uh, they just said, "Well, I'm not Jewish anyways. You don't need a divorce." It was just in the news uh, last this week, yesterday, today. Uh, they have cases like that all the time. Uh, and and uh, now they let in those Ukrainians into Israel, a high percentage of them, the majority are not Jewish. Um, I mean, hopefully the majority have some Jewish lineage, you know, a grandfather. I mean, if one grandfather's Jewish, they let them in, uh, even though it's not on the mother's side. But uh, but at any rate, so what happens if people from certain cities uh, propose to a Jewish woman so, if they're non Jewish, you don't have to worry about it. They're not married because they're not Jewish. But he says if they're from certain cities, you have to be afraid. Maybe they're Jewish. I've called the parish Meruba parish, but wouldn't we assume that somebody's from the majority of the world, the majority of the world, not the ten tribes? So, Gomorrah said, certain cities we know that a lot of Jews were there, uh, of the ten tribes. These are the names of the cities that the 10 tribes were exiled to. And even though they, today they're not recognizable as Jews, a very high percentage of those people uh, are of Jewish descent. So if a non-Jew were to propose, to propose to a Jewish woman, you'd have to be afraid that she would be married because uh, they might be Jewish. They actually know the names of these uh, cities. Um, today, there is some DNA technology. Uh, we don't yet have a Jewish gene, but uh, they use this for the Russians that come in now. They're able to give them a DNA test, those that claim to be Jewish. And in, in many cases, they'll have indications that they carry genes that they are from Jewish descent. Uh, and if the DNA matches their claims, they use that as a backup, uh, that they're probably Jewish. They, pro- they convert them anyways, but at least it tells us a little bit more of the rest of the story. But this is a uh, a problem that Jews live in certain areas, and they, they, uh, they melt into the local population after hundreds of years. And uh, the question is, they have the halakhic status of Jews or not? Okay.